Welcome to Dispatches, the official podcast for the Journal of the American Revolution. The Journal of the American Revolution publishes weekly online at www.allthingsliberty.com. For the latest in research, reviews, and commentaries, America's Most Important History is available free of charge at the Journal of the American Revolution. And because I'd been interested in Jefferson's time in France, I started looking into the subject, but and mostly to see if Jefferson really did single-handedly introduce French fries to America. That's Journal of the American Revolution contributor John Smith, and he's tracing the origins of French fries, how they came to the New World, and what they can reveal to us about Franco-American diplomacy and relations during the American Revolution. I'm Brady Kreitzer, and this is Dispatches. This episode is sponsored by the Museum of the American Revolution, exploring the ideas, events, and legacies of America's revolutionary beginnings. Plan your visit today. For more information, visit www.amrevmuseum.org. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Dispatches. I'm your host, Brady Kreitzer. Today's episode is a lot of fun. We're joined by longtime Journal of the American Revolution contributor, John Smith. And he's going to talk to us about one of my favorite things in the world. Eating. That is to say, food. Most importantly, French fries. Right? Nothing is more American, at least we think, than French fries. But what John's going to share with us today is a tracing of the origins of the food, how they first came to America, what role Thomas Jefferson played in that, if any, uh, and why he cared so much about French culture. I'm going to ask John a very simple question. When I go to a drive-thru four or five times a week, no, just kidding, in case my doctor's listening, every once in a while, is my order, when I'm asked, do you want fries with that? Is that a little bit of Thomas Jefferson and his influence reaching across uh, the great expanse of time, connecting me to the 18th century? Or is that just a former fat kid's fantasy? I don't know. We'll see. This is a great interview. I had a blast with it. I think you'll enjoy it. Sit back, relax. I hope you're hungry. And enjoy our interview with John Smith. John Smith, welcome back to the program. Thank you. What first drew your interest into this topic? Well, uh, a few months ago was, of all things, National French Fries Day. And I'd noticed in the media all these references tying Thomas Jefferson into French fries. So I was discussing the subject with Don Haggis, the editor of Journal of the American Revolution. And because I'd been interested in Jefferson's time in France, I started looking into the subject but and mostly to see if Jefferson really did single-handedly introduce French fries to America. Why is it that Thomas Jefferson, a notorious Francophile, was so drawn to French culture? Well, Jefferson was a wealthy, he grew up as a wealthy kind of aristocrat, but he was a man of the Enlightenment, the Age of Reason. And at that time, and this is in 1784, just past the American Revolution, but before the French Revolution, 
1784, France was the country in the world to be in. It excelled in all the forms of the Enlightenment culture, like books. And a famous quote from Jefferson is, I can't live without my books. So his books and art and music and theater and architecture, and mostly for Jefferson, food and wine. Jefferson will travel to Paris with a man named James Hemings. He's central to this story. Who was he? Well, James Hemings, in 1784, he was a 19-year-old enslaved house servant at Monticello, who Jefferson referred to in his early records and letters as, I don't know how Jefferson pronounced it, as either Jamie or Jane. But, and also, yes, Jeff, uh, James's younger half-sister was Sally Hemings. A lot of the listeners might recognize that name. But she is staying behind at Monticello at this time. But anyway, Jefferson had been commissioned the third ambassador working in Paris with Benjamin Franklin and John Adams. And Jefferson and his intent with bringing James to Paris with him, although he didn't publicly say so, was to have James master what he called the French art of cookery, and then to bring French recipes and cooking styles back to Monticello when Jefferson's foreign assignment was up. Hemings will receive world-class culinary training in France. Could you talk about who he worked with and what he did while he was there? It really is. As soon as they arrived in Paris, Jefferson enrolled James in a, actually a very expensive three-year apprenticeship program to learn classic French cuisine. Also, it might be said at that time, Jeff, uh, James learned fluent French, and Jefferson paid, paid him 288 livres a year. So within three years, James was apprenticing. He was apparently a pretty good uh, person for this job. He was apprenticing directly for the master chef of cuisine, I'll probably get this wrong, at Chateau de Chantilly, is the country estate where sometimes even French kings would drop in for lunch. So it had to be pretty good. So when the apprenticeship was over, Hemings was Jefferson's uh, chef in the Champs-Élysées townhouse ambassador's residence. And it had a constant flow of diplomatic guests in and out and James was always preparing the very elegant dinners for him. And he did things, he had learned things such as that we know today as creme, uh, creme brulee, which is burnt cream, and various meringues, I'll probably get this wrong, creme chantilly, which we know as whipped cream. We all know macaroni and cheese. He learned how to do that. That was a French dish. And a dish served as, I won't try the French spelling, but it translates to potatoes, deep fried, wild raw in small cuttings. So in other words, French fries. By today's standard, when we think of the 18th century, potatoes are often associated with Ireland, the Emerald Isle. Uh, But the French were crazy about spuds too. So uh, could you talk about that a little bit? Well, potatoes and, and the tomatoes also as well had long been thought of in Europe as being poisonous. But an aristocratic French botanist named Parmentier discovered that potatoes were not poisonous. And actually, 
they could help feed the French soldiers and the people. So supposedly, Parmentier had military guards, this is kind of smart if the story is true, had military guards posted over potato crops during the day, but at night the guards went away, and of course the peasants snuck in and dug them up and ate them. So <laughs> the potatoes were taking off as good food just as Jefferson and James Hemings got to Paris. And according to some stories, King Louis XVI started wearing potato blossoms pinned to his coat. Anne-Marie Antoinette wore a garland of potato blossoms in her hair. But basically, once a potato was served at the royal court, the aristocracy adopted it and it, it took off. How did these French favorites come back to America with Jefferson? And as a historian, how do you research that? Right. And sometimes that's a, it's a stumbling block. But in this case, in 1789, uh, Jefferson was recalled back to America to be Secretary of State for President Washington. And so it's well documented in his sailing inventory of what Jefferson brought back with him, which included a harpsichord. He always thought big, a harpsichord and 86 crates of books wine, seedlings, and different kitchen utensils, such as an Italian pasta-making machine that he'd picked up when he was taking a tour through Italy. And packed into the shipping containers were about 150 recipes of collected French dishes, which presumably also included French fries. Uh, well, French fries didn't, or French foods didn't make it back to Monticello for a while because Jefferson as soon as he almost stepped off the boat, went immediately to the capital of the new federal government in New York City and later Philadelphia when, when it moved. And James Hemings was right there alongside of him, planning and preparing all the state dishes. So it didn't, it didn't get back to Monticello for a while. But what, in terms of what they looked like, that's an interesting story because French fries of back then, if you call them French fries, they were call, also called fried potatoes, didn't have that McDonald's long rectangular shape. To me, they looked more like thick potato chips. In fact, in the JAR article for this article, the cover photo shows a photo of what Jefferson's French fries would have looked like on Jefferson's table. He would have certainly recognized them. And Nancy, my wife, followed the recipe in Mary Randolph's cookbook and created the Jefferson French fries. And actually, after the photo shoot was over, they tasted pretty good. James Hemings will die. And his death is a tragedy in many ways. Uh, could you talk about how he died and how that affects this article? Yeah, it's, it's very sad. In 1793, while Jefferson was still Secretary of State, James Hemings asked Jefferson to be freed, to which Jefferson agreed to, but with one catch, that Jefferson would complete a cooking school at Monticello for certain chosen kitchen help. And both sides kept their word on the agreement, and James was freed in 1796, three years later. And James settled in Philadelphia, I think, and later Baltimore. And so he was always working as a... Uh, 
highly skilled professional. But you fast forward to 1800, and Jefferson is elected president. And Jefferson, of course, wanted to extend the invitation to James to be head chef at the president's house, which was the name before the White House. So Jefferson worked through a third party in Baltimore who knew both Jefferson and James, trying to get James to come to Washington, D.C., or Federal City, it was called. And so even though Jefferson had heard rumors that James had developed a drinking problem, he still wanted to extend the invitation to him. In the article, there's the letters back and forth between Jefferson and a third party where they go into detail on this. But James kept delaying his answer for some reason, we don't know why, until finally President John, uh, Jefferson got word that James had unfortunately committed suicide and that excessive drinking was uh, listed to be the cause. Anyone who studies 18th century cooking or recipes knows the name Mary Randolph. How does Mary Randolph's famous recipe book play into this story? Well, jump ahead now to about 1824, two years before Jefferson died, and Mary Randolph, who, let me see if I get this right, she was the sister-in-law to Martha Jefferson Randolph, who was Jefferson's daughter living at Monticello. Yeah, Mary Randolph started writing a cookbook from collected recipes that she'd uh, collected from the family and around in the, in the area. And it's generally accepted that at least some of the Mary Randolph cookbook entries might also contain recipes that James Hemings had brought back from France and talked to Monticello cooks, you know, in that tutorial cooking period that he did. Unfortunately, none of the original recipe pages by James exist, just an inventory of Monticello cooking utensils in James's hand, and that's in the Library of Congress. But, however, doctor, a person called Dr. Lenny Sorensen, who was Monticello's African-American research historian, says that Mary Randolph's 1824 recipe, How to Fry Sliced Potatoes, might get you as close to Jefferson's French fries as you can, as you can get today. I guess, John, this is the million-dollar question. Whenever we hit a drive-thru and we're asked, do you want fries with that? Is that a legacy of Thomas Jefferson, or has that become something else altogether? <laughs> well, I, as they say, the clarity of that is like nailing jello to a tree, I think. It's, it's tracing... Uh, French fries directly from James Hemings and Jefferson directly to, you know, McDonald's is, is a really windy, windy course. Jefferson certainly didn't formally introduce French fries to America. So it's impossible to trace, you know, the exact straight line of fried potatoes directly from James's French recipe to what would become those rectangular American French fries. Jefferson, when he was president, uh, certainly served fried potatoes at state dinners. And so wealthy households were eager to mimic what the president served at his table. So the food was taking off through various channels all through America all during that time. The lineage is, is all over the place. 
besides to complicate things, both Belgium and France claim to have invented the French fry. So, you know, who knows? John Smith, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. It was very fun. The music played in this episode included works by Kevin McLeod and the Sturbridge Colonial Militia. Any unauthorized reproduction or use of this podcast, without the express written permission of the Journal of the American Revolution, is strictly prohibited. For everyone here at Dispatches, I'm Brady Kreitzer saying so long.